I think just being confident enough to say, you know, I know I haven't done this, but I've done, I've used this skill in a different capacity. And then being able to convey that on a resume, a cover letter, and in a first round interview to then get you on that path of, you know, the second round, third round, et cetera, of the interview process. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How are you uh, ending the year off of 2023? We're only a few days away. Yeah, ending in a pretty good spot. Um, I think this last week I've spent, you know, a ton of time with family, um, just kind of, you know, doing the holiday thing. And um, it's been really good to almost take a step back from work this past week, um, just to really, you know, reflect on the year and spend time with family. But really excited to kind of pick things right back up um, next week as we head into the new year. Yeah. What's your feeling in terms of the market when people are back into work and getting ready for like the recruiting season for Q1? Yeah. So I think based on what we've been seeing and hearing, um, I have a good sense that, you know, with all the layoffs that we heard of this year, all the tech layoffs that were kind of the major headline news this year, I have a strong sense that because companies went through a, a, you know, a big reorg this year, across the board, companies went through a reorg. I do think things will start to tick back up where we'll see a lot of positions opening up. So as you know, companies have gotten rid of a lot of employees and sort of eliminated positions, usually what that comes with is a restructuring of what's needed. So they've probably done a gap analysis of skills maybe they got rid of that they didn't think they really needed anymore, but maybe that opened doors for, for new types of, of roles to open up. And maybe they've realized that they're now missing skills that they um, no longer have, so to speak. So I think a lot of things will happen where internal roles will open up. I think you'll see a lot of internal mobility happening where you know companies will look within to try to fill those skills gaps. Um, that they've now kind of realized they they have because of the layoffs. And I also think we'll start to see a lot of roles opening back up. So I think even though companies not, might not reopen the roles that they laid off, so to speak, they might be opening new roles that are just a slight deviation from the sort of the type of work they were having that person do um, in the last role, if that makes sense. And speaking of like moving people internally to another role, maybe potentially like building up their skill set, that's our main discussion for today is career clarity, where someone could be stagnant for multiple years on end and they're looking for a change, but they don't know how to go about it. I'm in the career coaching space as well as yourself. One of the recommendations I uh, usually recommend is for people who are looking to try to pivot to a different career, not to look externally because it's going to be a bit harder because recruiters tend to want to focus with someone that already has that experience. While internally, since they already know you, they're more willing to give you a shot. Uh, so what's your opinion on that in terms of like moving internally to a new position to develop your skill set? Yeah, I think it can be a great answer to a lot of people's um, you know current frustrations with their role. And so I think a few things. Um, usually what I see with clients is if we do sort of, you know, an assessment of what's really the main sort of driver of their feelings of, of not you know, feeling fully fulfilled in their role or feeling stuck in their role. If the issue isn't the company itself, we start to drill down into, okay, is it the type of work you're doing? Is it maybe the manager you're currently working under? Um, is it the fact that you don't have a clear path to growth that's bothering you? Or do you just feel like you're maybe not being fairly compensated? Um, usually it's been interesting to your point where I've, I've worked with a lot of clients this year who they'll say like, I need a new job. And then when we really drill down into it, they'll say, but I actually love where I work. And it will be like, okay, so if you love where you work, Maybe that's not the issue. Then then we get into the more specifics of what I just outlined of, you know, what really is the issue? So I think if we can get a little bit more clear on what exactly about their current situation that is not jiving with, you know, where they'd want to be, once we uncover that, we can start to work towards a plan of, you know, how do we get you from A to B? So in an example, 
say someone's working in, um, you know, a marketing capacity, but they'd rather be doing something more customer facing. Maybe they feel like they're working in marketing, but they're really behind the scenes. They're just sort of, you know, cranking out emails all day, or maybe they're working on a lot of creative, but they're not really getting to use their people skills. We can talk about how they can leverage um, their internal network to basically set up conversations with people who are in those customer facing roles, whether it's, you know, customer support, or maybe there's a customer division of the marketing, you know, department that they could tap into. So it's a lot about figuring out, you know, what the problem point is first, figuring out what it is they really want, and then figuring out who to talk to and who to network with internally to start to put in motion a plan for getting you from A to B. So go back to what you said about uh, you work with clients that like the company, but don't like the job they're doing. So how does that work? Like You like working for the company, but you don't like what you're doing, but don't you have to like what you're doing to like the company? Like How, how does that work in terms of being unfulfilled at the moment? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think usually when I see something like that, everything outside of the, you know, the thing that's really the problem source is, is good, right? So maybe the company aligns with their values from like a mission-driven um, standpoint. Maybe they really jive with the company culture. They usually have people they really enjoy working with. So strong coworker relationships. Um, it might be that, you know, they really do love their manager. It's just that maybe they feel stuck in the role they're in because they're really good at what they do, but they want a new challenge and they don't know how to ask for you know, new responsibilities or different responsibilities because they don't want to disappoint their manager because they have such a good relationship. So usually when I talk about, you know, starting from scratch, we're, we're really getting clear on what the issue is. We're going through all the things they do like, but really getting down to the point of, you know, what is it that you don't like if you really love your manager, if you love the company culture, if you have so much fun, you know, showing up to work every day with everything that's outside of the scope of your work, it's usually something to do with, you know, what they're being asked to do on a day-to-day basis. So that's where I kind of differentiate. All right. Before we continue on, why don't you tell my audience a little bit about yourself in terms of like, if you have any uh, recruiting background and a little bit about your coaching company? Yeah, I'd love to. So I'm coming into the world of coaching through recruiting. Um, So I started early on in my career in journalism and marketing, and I shifted to recruiting about three to four years ago when I was working at a startup. And so I was on the marketing team. Um, but because we were a small company, I was the ninth person to join that company. Um, when you're that small, you pretty much everyone is involved in the hiring process. And so I got really a good firsthand look into what recruiting entails. And because of that experience that I helped build out um, the team I was on, I eventually actually pitched an internal shift. So it's very topical for what we're talking about today and sort of moving into a new discipline. But the more I got exposure to the hiring process through being at a small company, the more I realized, you know, talent acquisition and people operations were where I truly wanted to be. I didn't really feel super connected to marketing in the way that I do, you know, talent acquisition. So that's where I got my start in uh, recruiting. From there, I took my skills to a larger company. So I worked for a large tech company for six months on contract. And while I was doing that, I was essentially building up Taijip coaching in the background. So I had come to the conclusion that, you know, as much as I loved recruiting, the parts of recruiting that I loved the most were when I really got to work with candidates through the hiring process. So coaching them on what the next steps were going to be, um, communicating with them each step of the process of, you know, making sure they had a really solid candidate experience. I also really loved helping my coworkers. So I would often have coworkers come to me to say, you know, I noticed we're unlocking this role. Do you think I could be a good candidate for that? So again, on the topic of internal mobility, I had some experience with coaching my coworkers on how to, you know, apply for a job internally. And I think just through all those like mini experiences, I realized that my recruiting background could really help a lot of people who are looking for jobs, but maybe who don't have that peek behind the curtain, if you will, all, all of those sort of things that go into a hiring process. So with my recruiting background, I really like to you know, shed some light on what it takes to kind of acquire a new job and how you can set yourself up for success to, to move laterally in a company if you, you know, mostly enjoy the company, but the role itself is not you know, aligned with what you're looking for in your next opportunity. 
So just take a step back. You actually did a career pivot yourself three to four years ago into recruiting, but you were yeah. you off your core career in marketing, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. So when you were in uh, college, yeah, just, just walk us through like, what was your goal in college? And then what did you end up coming up with? And then like you said, like you, you didn't feel as connected with uh, marketing as you did with uh, recruiting. A lot of people think that they need to find something that they love right away. Uh, but that's not always the case, right? As you get older, uh, your priorities change, your passions change. So that's perfectly okay. So can you walk us through how you did your own sort of career clarity to like make those multiple pivots into uh, the recruiting space that you uh, love uh, right now? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's a bit of a long story, so I'll try to keep it as, as short as I can. But uh, I graduated with a degree in journalism, actually. So the plan um, out of college was to go into digital journalism. And so I did an internship out in Colorado um, with the U.S. Olympic Committee, where I was working with their digital journalism team, um, helping report on the Olympics that year. That was two, uh, 2016. So it was the Rio Olympics. That was a really good sort of segue to get me my first job in journalism. And I was working for uh, ESPN.com, writing for their website, doing articles for their website. So the journalism thing was going well, as far as like, I was concerned, everything was, you know, tracking on, you know, on the plan that I had set out for myself. But then actually, in 2017, at the end of the year, I experienced my first layoff where ESPN went through a huge restructuring and I was laid off. My whole team was laid off. And so, you know, at the time, I think I was only 22 or 20, maybe 22 going on 23. And, you know, at that age, you don't have a lot of sort of um, experience to lean on because this is sort of your first big job out of school. And so I think at the time, um, I went into a a little bit of a panic mode, not knowing what to do, um, but just sort of took the steps necessary to, you know, put myself out there, go through the application process And what I found through applying to lots of new journalism jobs was there's actually a strong correlation between journalism and marketing. And so I decided to open myself up to the possibility that maybe I could pivot from journalism into a digital marketing role and try to see if I can flex my skills in a new industry. And once I took that approach to my job search, um, a lot more opportunities actually opened up for me. So I ultimately decided to go that route. And I switched from the journalism world to digital marketing world. Um, And so as I stated earlier, I worked in uh, marketing for three years before pivoting into uh, recruiting. But I think everything that I learned from my time with marketing was, you know, the sense of how to connect with people. And I think everything that I loved about marketing were, were my people skills, where, where my people skills came into play. So I loved copywriting for emails where I was putting myself in the buyer's shoes, for example, or I loved, you know, talking to reps of different companies if we were trying to decide which softwares to go with. You know, from my experience working in marketing, I eventually that took me to a startup where I was hired as a marketer to really help build the digital marketing, um, you know, basically our email campaigns from scratch. So I essentially leveraged my journalism background to take me into a marketing career that basically put me in a position to build a marketing uh, program from scratch. And I think that's an opportunity I never would have had had I not sort of been open-minded to the fact that some of my um, skills were transferable. And so I think, you know, to make a long story short, I think looking back, if I could go back and give myself some advice when I was, you know, laid off from the journalism job that I'd worked so hard to get, I think what I know now is as long as you can kind of do an inventory of what your skills are in a broad sense, so not just sticking to like what it says on your degree, but really taking inventory of, you know, what is it about you that you bring to the table that nobody else does? So for me, that those were always my people skills. So I think, like I said, even in my marketing capacity, I felt like my people skills were always what were helping me get ahead. So when the time came for me to have, you know, a, a little glimpse into what I could be doing professionally with my people skills, I didn't necessarily know that talent acquisition was a career path that was available to me. I think I just, I didn't know anyone who was working in ta- uh, talent acquisition. I didn't have any friends who went the HR route. 
So I think as soon as I got a taste of it, I realized, oh, you know, these are the skills that I want to be using in a day-to-day basis. And as much as I've learned from my marketing background, and as, as much as I'm appreciative as, you know, how far it's gotten me, I think where I'm really meant to be is using my people skills in like a full-time capacity. There's a question I want to ask in regards to like, how did you pitch yourself internally for that role for a talent acquisition? But before we talk about that, you did a hard transition and I, and I consider it hard because we already discussed that it's harder to make a transition in your career externally compared to internal. So how were you able to pivot your experience and package your experience in a way from digital journalism into marketing that made sense? Because you, you didn't have like marketing as your, in your job title, right? So it makes it hard. The assumption is when you have like, let's say your title on your resume was like digital journalist, right? And you're applying to market coordinator jobs to start off. Like it might be misaligned. You might not get responses because recruiters going to see that and say, okay, it looks like I'm actually applying to this role. So like, how were you able to like package your skill set in a way that made sense for uh, in, in the marketing wise, even though you've never officially had a marketing title up to that point? Yeah. So I think looking back, it now feels like such a long time ago, but I think looking back, what I remember from applying to marketing was I really sat down and thought through, you know, what were those jobs asking me to do? And at that time, this was, you know, social media was big, but it's nowhere near as big as it is now. But we were still, you know, looking at Twitter for breaking news stories. We were looking at Instagram every day for breaking news news stories. TikTok was not a thing yet. So we weren't looking at TikTok. Um, But I think between Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, my job at ESPN was actually to, um, be on social media all day looking for breaking news. And as soon as we found something that we thought was newsworthy, we would spin up a story about it. And then we would post it on our website. And the goal with that job was to be the first news outlet to post on a story that was breaking. Um, Whereas a lot of athletes these days are posting, you know, if they're retiring, for example, they'll announce it on Instagram. Or if an athlete decides to um, go with a trade and sort of move to a new team, they'll post a picture of them wearing their new jersey on, you know, Twitter, Instagram. So we were getting a lot of breaking news articles by just being on social media all day. So with that in mind, you know, even though the core function of my job was to write breaking news stories, what I was doing was, you know, looking at social media all day long. And so I think I was able to leverage that concept and explain to um, recruiters and to people who were, who were interviewing me for marketing roles, you know, I have a really keen sense of how social media works, how to navigate it, how to stay on top of it. Um, I looked all day on like what's trending. So I think I kind of could explain to them, I have a really deep understanding about how social media sort of helps companies, even though I'm not the one posting on social media, but I am using it for my everyday work. So that was part of the conversation. I think the other part was, you know, having the the ability to write really well, I think helped me a lot. So I think with social media and with marketing, um, writing emails, writing blog posts, which is a big part of my job. um, When I moved into marketing, writing social media captions, uh, those are all skills that I think Yes, the, the outcome is different. So writing a news article is obviously different than, you know, writing a, a sort of a Christmas marketing campaign email, for example, but the skill is the same. So as long as you're able to tailor, you know, your writing to different audiences, which I demonstrated when I was, you know, interviewing and doing some of the exercises that were given to me during those hiring processes, it was clear to them that I was able to do the job they were asking, even though I was coming from a different industry. So I think just being confident enough to say, you know, I know I haven't done this. I've used this skill in a different capacity. And then being able to convey that on a resume, a cover letter, and then in a first round interview to then get you on that path of, you know, the second round, third round, et cetera, of the interview process. You embraced your digital journalism skills, but you just uh, positioned it in terms of like social media research and writing, right? Uh, And then that helped you be able to pivot into marketing that way. Yeah, absolutely. And you said like you were working at a small startup, about nine people. And I worked at a startup too when I first started uh, out of college. And working at a startup, you, you have to wear many hats and that's when you're yes. exposure to uh, talent acquisition. So walk us through how you're able to like pitch to the leadership team on making an internal move. How did that work out? 
Yeah. So essentially, I probably had helped hire, I would say, at least 10 people before I decided to pitch the the role. So I think I wanted to prove that I had some level of experience with talent acquisition before I you know, went on to pitch it. So I think for me, when I decided I wanted to make the pitch, I sort of doubled down on my involvement, if that makes sense. So anytime we were hiring someone new, if I wasn't necessarily asked to be an interview, like on the interview panel or like in the interview process, I would just ask if I could be. And if, if they said yes, then I would get to interview the person. If they said no, I would say, okay, well, like, you know, how can I help? Could I help, you know, screen resumes for you? Could I help with writing the job post? Any way I could get involved with the hiring process, um, I basically just started volunteering my time. So I think that helped to get me either, you know, a more familiar with, you know, a recruiting process entailed, but it also helped me build a case for myself where like I could prove I was good at it and I could prove I could do the job. So again, just like once I kind of had the hunch that I wanted to pivot into talent acquisition, I made it a point to to kind of, like I said, offer my time up to take on that work where I had bandwidth to do so. When it got to the point where I felt confident that I had strong enough case to to kind of make that pitch, um, I sort of went the other way and I decided to do a lot of data collection on you know what I had already done in my sort of marketing and customer um, support side of the business. So I was working in a hybrid role where I was doing marketing and I was also doing a lot of customer support. So like talking to customers, either pitching them on the product or helping them you know with the sale of the product that they had made a purchase. So I was already doing a lot of customer facing work. So I basically took some inventory of this is what I've done in customer support. This is how many hours I've spent in this role. This is what I've learned. And then I basically just positioned it as, you know, what comes next for me? Because I think at this point, I've learned everything I can doing these, these you know, four core responsibilities. And I want to learn something else. And I already had a, an idea in my head of what I wanted that something else to be. But I wanted to just lay out the case that like, I felt like I had almost mastered what I was being asked to do. And now I was asking for a new challenge. So I sort of made a case for myself that, I wanted to, you know, branch out of something I had been doing and into something else by collecting that data. I think that really helped. And then when it came time to have the conversation, I basically laid out, you know, I've helped make this number of many hires. I've been on the hiring team for this number of many roles. Um, I have experience with writing job descriptions. I feel really confident in my interview capabilities. Um, I also kind of have a good rapport with new hires when we bring them in. I would sort of volunteer myself to be, you know, their buddy for the day when they had their first day, helping them around the office and helping them, you know, kind of get to know the team. So I just sort of used, you know, the experiences I'd been having with the hiring processes um, to pitch myself as someone who could do this type of work. And so when it came down to it, we didn't even have a job open for TA or for recruiting, but we had just hired our director of talent acquisition. So what I pitched was, could I start to transition to her team while we worked kind of in the background to do a, to find a backfill for my role? And so what I did was I worked four days a week on my current team. And then every Friday, I would get to meet with the director of talent acquisition and help her with anything she needed help with. So it was sort of a way to, to make the transition gradual so that I wasn't leaving you know, my team in the lurch, but I was helping them you know, hire the next person, which was already a you know, good practice for me, right? Because what I want to be doing is hiring. So hiring my own backfill um, was a great experience. But then I could also start to learn you know, what I wanted to learn in, in, in the new position that I was pitching for myself. By gradually, you know, once a week working on that team. And then eventually it was three days a week and two days a week on the TA team. Then we just basically kept giving me more and more days on the TA team until I made that full transition to five days a week. The one thing that you, you mentioned, I think this also goes for like promotions and raises, is building a case for yourself to prove that you do deserve a, a chance to either make an internal move or getting a promotion and getting advancement in your career at the company or even getting a raise. It's all about building the case and having like good metrics to back it up. The other thing, well, your, your current chapter of your career is you started career coaching uh, business. So how did that uh, come about? 
Yeah. So as I said earlier, when I was working in uh, recruiting for the last company I worked for, it was a contract position. So I knew that um, the role, when it was pitched to me, I basically said, you know, I'd like to work in this role on contract um, and then let's check in at the six month mark. So we decided to do a six month contract and then they had made it clear to me that they wanted to make it a full time hire at the end of six months. But where I was coming from was a place of I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue on in a full time capacity anywhere because I had this sense that I really wanted to start my own business. So I did the role, um, I did a good job, and you know I committed myself to that for six months. When I, whenever I had free time, I was taking networking calls with other coaches. I was doing coaching of my own, so I worked with a coach who um, is a career coach of you know twenty years, and she was instrumentally helpful in helping me kind of set up the foundation of Tide Shift. And so any hour that I wasn't spent doing my day job, I was trying to devote to building up Tide Shift kind of in the background. And then it, when it came time to have the conversation about you know should I stay on full time or should I pivot to Tide Shift full time. I just had the sense where, you know, I really wanted to give this a try now while I'm still not early on in my career, but at a point in my career where I have, you know, the bandwidth to to really take this on, right? Like I'm, I don't have a family quite yet. Um, I don't have any other responsibilities in my life that are sort of tying me down. So I think this is, this felt like the right time to really take a risk and try something full time that wasn't, you know, attaching me to a company, so to speak. So I had a really good conversation with my manager. He was honestly fully supportive, which was great. He basically said, you know, we'd love to see you back here one day, but um, we also are rooting for you and we'd love to kind of like work with you again in any capacity we can. So having the support of them, I decided to turn down the full time offer and launch Time Shift full time in May of 2023. So definitely a little bit of a leap of faith. But like I said, I think from all my conversations with other entrepreneurs, other coaches, other founders, um, they've all kind of given me the confidence to just really go for it. And I think every advice, every piece of advice I've heard over and over is, I think committing to something full time and really giving it your your all is the best way to to be successful at it. So, um, you know, there are obviously weeks that are that are great. There are weeks that it's scary, but I think overall the experience has been um, just so rewarding and so amazing that I'm just really excited to keep going and to keep building. So, what was the turning point in terms of like this first saying? You know what, I want to try this entrepreneurship uh, on my own just to see how things are, because like many people would have taken the other option, say, oh, um, they're going to give me a full time uh, offer. There's benefits, all all that good stuff. Maybe continue with the safe route of doing a full time job and then doing it on the side and building up. But you quit cold turkey. You say, you know what, I just want to do this full time and just see where it takes me. So, what was your decision in that? Yeah, I think a few things, but I think the main driver was just kind of. Going back to the things that I now coach to clients is I really took inventory of what my priorities are, you know, at this stage of my life. And I think for me, having the flexibility to um, work from wherever and work when it suits my schedule and also do the things that I really want to be doing. Well, those are the three things that I'm prioritizing right now in my life. And so I think not that, you know, I wasn't learning the things I wanted to learn in my full-time TA roles, but I think because I wanted to do coaching in a really, you know, full-time capacity, um, all the advice I was getting was to do coaching at a full-time capacity. The best way to learn it is just to do it, right? And to, to experience the coaching and, and work with people and and get those reps in. And so I think for me, knowing that about myself, where I really wanted to be a coach full-time, and I also wanted that that sort of freedom to you know work when I could and work wherever I could, because travel at this stage of my life is really important to me. Um, I just decided that I need to really practice what I preach, right? Because when I was working with clients and I was saying to them, you know, take stock of your priorities and find a job that that fits your priorities and um, allows you to live the life you want to live. The best way I can model that is by doing that myself. And so being a full-time coach allows me to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like if you're helping people make career pivots, but then you're doing the same job you don't like, then it's not really, you're not practicing what you preach, right? And then you lose credibility that way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, so far it's definitely paid off and it's helped me sort of 
you know, be able to tell my story in an authentic way that that feels real to my clients when we're having these conversations. I can literally point to myself and use myself as an example. And then that kind of encourages them to, to now do the version of, of that for themselves. So you started in May of this year. Well, it's going to be last year in a few days, but you started in May of this year. Yeah, I know. Uh, so from working with all uh, these clients over the course of half of 2023, what were some of the common reasons that they reached out to you in terms of like not being happy with, with their careers? Like what are some of the, like, the common factors of like reaching out to you saying, I'm not happy with my career? Uh, what were some of the main reasons that this occurred? So I think the most interesting thing for me has been, there's definitely been a variety of reasons, but I do see themes cropping up, which I think for me is a good learning as I start to try to you know, find more clients and more people to help. But I think definitely a few buckets come to mind. Uh, the first being what we've sort of discussed earlier in this call, people who feel like they want to be doing more in their role or kind of take on new responsibilities, but because they have like a good relationship with their manager or because they've sort of built up a reputation for being good at their current job, they're too afraid to almost like rock the boat and ask for something else. So I think that category of person has come to me when they've just said, you know, I'm really unhappy in my work. I don't want to leave, but I definitely need to change something because like I show up to work every day and I don't enjoy what I'm doing. So helping them, you know, basically be confident enough and prepared enough to have those conversations with their managers of saying, you know, this is the type of work I want to be doing. Here's my plan for how to, you know, adopt those new responsibilities while maybe taking some things off of my plate. Um, and here's how I think I can make an impact. So basically just coaching them on how to make those sort of internal pivots and having those conversations with management. So I'd say that's definitely one theme. The other would be people who are coming to me who just, you know, they definitely want to make a hard pivot into something like not entirely different, but pretty, pretty different than what they've been doing on the day to day. So an example of that could be someone who maybe they were pitched a role that they took. And when they got into the job, the day-to-day is not like the job they thought they were getting, if that makes sense. So maybe they were sold on an idea, but the the skills they wanted to be using in their day-to-day are not actually the skills they're getting to use. So in those cases, we're looking for roles. We're really vetting job descriptions with like, you know, a magnifying glass saying, okay, are you, are, is this job description really saying to you, you know, it's going to allow you to flex the skills you're not getting to flex in your current role. And then once we have those jobs descriptions in hand, applying to only the jobs that really stand out as being the type of work they want to be doing on a day-to-day basis, rather than cast a wide net just to like get out and, you know, get on to the next thing out of desperation. We want to really want them to take a, a, you know, a more narrow approach to their job search. And maybe that takes longer, but the result is a, a job that really is going to last and make them feel fulfilled over a long period of time. When you talk about like reviewing job descriptions, again, like when someone's frustrated with their current job, they think like any other job is a good idea. And that's not always the case. What type of like research can they make to make the smart uh, career decision of this career pivot? Because I've heard stories where they make a career pivot, they realize it's not really what they want. And then they're trying to like go back to their original role. Sometimes the company that they did the internal move will not let them do that. Uh, so then they eventually have to just leave. So what's your thoughts on like, Again, there's always going to be risk when you make a career pivot to a different field. So how can you at least mitigate the risks as much as possible? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think in conjunction with doing that more of the sort of going through a job description with a fine tooth comb and with a, with a keener eye, I think talking to people is honestly the best way to find out um, you know, what you're getting yourself into, so to speak. So I think reaching out to people who currently work at a company or who used to work in the role you, you were in, maybe they just recently left and you want to know why, or maybe they're in the same role just like a year or two ahead of you. Maybe they're in the same department, but not in quite the same role, but they can speak to, you know, what that person does on a day to day. 
really trying to network with these people via LinkedIn or whether it's, you know, through a mutual connection and just have conversations. I think conversations are really underestimated when it comes to a job search. Um, I think, you know, outright applying and interviewing is great, but I think, you know, the job of a recruiter is to sell you on a role. So to an extent, they are sort of in sales mode, even if what they're saying is, is genuine and true, it still is not the end of the day, they are in sales mode with, with what they're doing. So I think talking to someone who really can just tell you from an honest perspective of, you know, this is what I do on a day-to-day basis. Here's what I love about my job. Here's what's not so great. Here's what you can expect. I think that is the key to really getting a, a clear, you know, 360 picture of what the role is going to entail before you decide to jump and, and sort of, go, you know, take it on yourself. I, I know a lot of people want instant gratification. They want to make a career pivot in a month. What's a realistic timeline uh, for someone ha- that has a proper plan implementing it to go from like A to B in their career? Yeah, it's a great question. And one I get a lot, I would say, I think I would answer it in two ways. One, having a proper plan usually means you've either, you know, made a lot of jumps already. So you have a process that you know, works for you, or maybe you've worked with a coach. And therefore, you you've done the preparation, you've done the LinkedIn reviews, you've done some interview coaching. So you really are in a place to jump right into the job search. If you have all those pieces in place, I do think you could find a new job in as short as like two or three months. However, if you don't have those pieces in place, I think you know, a six month timeline is more reasonable, six months to a year, if we're talking someone who wants to make a pretty hard pivot. And I think with my clients, something we have to get over early on is that, you know, as long as they're okay to stay in a job for six more months, and maybe as long as a year, that's really going to give them the best experience, because they're going to put the work in and put the time in it takes to really understand what it is that's wrong, what it is they want to change. And then once you get through that, you know, phase of the process, deciding, okay, here's how I want to redo my LinkedIn, or here are the types of people I want to start networking with. Those things take time. So I think as long as people are are in it for the right reasons and can dedicate themselves to a longer process, I think six months is the sweet spot for someone doing all the work. I think for someone who's done a bit of the legwork, it can be accomplished in as short as three months. But I think anything less than that is probably something where the recruiter reaches out because there's someone they've already networked with in the past and maybe they have the perfect role lined up for them because maybe they've already taken them through the hiring process, say, a year ago for a different role. And they, they've already pre-vetted them. They remember them. They remember their skill sets. That's the only case, in my opinion, where it would take like a month or less. But anything anything shorter than two months um, at this stage and kind of the, the climate we're in, I think is is sort of a, an anomaly, <laughs> if you will. All right. And now a controversial question. Uh, getting more education to make that career pivot. What people tend to do, for example, say they want to get into UX, UI design. Uh, so they are currently working or even not. Let's say they're not working and they want to do a career pivot, a hard career pivot, as you would call it. Uh, so they go to a boot camp and then they try and make that career pivot with just the education. Obviously, it is a bit difficult that way. Uh, so what's your thoughts in terms of like using education to help expedite the process if that's possible? Yeah, I think it, it really depends. And I know that's not the best answer for some people when they're when they're really weighing their option. But I think genuinely, it does depend on what you're trying to pivot from and what you're trying to pivot to. So I think in the case of UX, for example, if you're someone who doesn't have any background in either design or graphic design or product, say you're coming from, you know, say you're you're a copywriter, and you do have some, you know, access to those types of roles, but you've really just been doing genuine genuine copywriting, for example, for the last five years of your career, I think maybe, you know, a boot camp or, or a certificate of some kind would help supplement your um, application quite a bit. But if you're someone who, you know, has dabbled in those things to the point where maybe you're a product manager, so you work with UX design, you know, day in and day out, maybe you're someone who has uh, a graphic design background, but you're trying to parlay that into a UX career. I don't necessarily think you have to either go back to school or get continuing ed. I do really think it depends on what you're going from, what you're going to, and what your background is. I think in the case of uh, myself um, and how I explained my pivot earlier, um, I think I had enough of the sort of the raw materials to make a pivot from journalism to marketing. 
And so I actually, I didn't go back to school. Um, I didn't, you know, go, I didn't get a master's in marketing. I didn't do, you know, a certificate or anything like that. But I think in that case, there was enough evidence that I could, you know, parlay my skills from journalism into marketing where um, I was able to work it out. But I think, like I said, it really just depends on if you have enough of a, of a backbone of a transitional, you know, skill set to what you're trying to go towards. But I wouldn't necessarily, I, I would guess the best way to say is I don't always advocate that as the first option. I think take inventory first of what skills you do have and see if there's a story there. If there's really not, then I think education can come in as a, as a way to supplement the application. I always uh, tell people who are looking to make a career pivot, ask people who have made the same career pivot as you, because you're not the first person ever to make this career pivot from like A to B. So maybe go on LinkedIn and look at uh, people that have made a similar career pivot as you and ask them, did you need more education to make that pivot? Like, how did you do it, right? So have maybe talk to like five people, see what the roadmap is. And if the common theme is that they didn't really need additional education to make that move, then you can save yourself tons of time and money to make that career pivot because you've already spoken to a few people that have successfully taken that path you're trying to take. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think networking with people who have been where you are and who are now where you want to be, I think that's excellent advice because they can really give you, like you said, they can provide you with a clear roadmap. And I think if you can repeat those conversations, like you said, five times or more, you'll start to pick up on those themes. And I think it helps answer that question. And like, as we head into 2024, uh, you know, New Year's resolutions, all that stuff. If someone's listening to our conversation or watching it on YouTube, what would be some main takeaways that you want them to uh, take away from our conversation in terms of like planning out a successful career pivot? Really clear on what it is you're trying to pivot towards. So I think doing some real soul searching of and I know that's an overused phrase, but I think really doing some soul searching of, you know, what it is about your current job that's not sitting right with you. You know, what is it about the job that's really not jiving with, with kind of who you are today? Once you get clear on that, think it, take it a step further. Okay, you know, what skills am I using in my job that I really enjoy using and want to double down on and sort of take on to my next step? Then taking it a step further. Okay, you know, now that I have a clear picture of what's not working and what I want to work towards, who can I talk to? So that, I think that's when the networking piece comes into play. And we do some of the things that you and I have discussed today, where you find people on LinkedIn or maybe in your, your personal network, or maybe with one degree of separation, a friend of a friend or you know an old colleague, for example, are, of people who are where you want to be and ask them how they got there. And I think between those three things, so getting clear, getting kind of serious about you know what it is you want to work towards, and then taking that those two pieces of information to conversations, I think that'll help start to put things in motion where you're not just sitting down at your computer and applying to jobs aimlessly without a plan. I think that's when people tend to get uh, in trouble with you know frustration kicks in where they might not be getting any uh, responses or every response they get as a rejection that makes them you know spin their wheels and apply to more jobs and then the same thing keeps happening. I think if you can get really clear and do the work it takes to get um, specific on what you want to apply to, the application process and ends up being the easiest part because you're only applying to things that you genuinely are excited about and feel you can actually take on given the, you know, the skills that you have and the transferable skills that you have. Um, so that's what I would say is, you know, really do take the time. I think maybe slow it down is the best way to say it, but take the time to do the prep work before you dive into a job search. And if someone wants to take their career pivot to the next level and want to hire you to help them with that, uh, how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you can do and how you can possibly help them? Yeah, that, no, I love that. So on LinkedIn, honestly, is the easiest way. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my first name is spelled a little wonky, but it's M-E-A-G-H-A-N. It's Megan Latella, um, L-A-T-E-L-L-A. Um, please feel free to send me a connection request or give me a follow. You can always message me. I, I try to get back to everyone within you know a day's time. Um, my email is latella.coaching at gmail.com. So I would say those two ways would be the easiest ways to reach me.
Great. And uh, just one last question for you. Uh, how did you come up with your uh, career country company name? Yeah, it's a great question. I was actually talking about this earlier today, so it's timely. Um, so essentially, so I live near the ocean. I live in Rhode Island, um, and that's been a big part of my life since I was a kid. Um, I was a swimmer as a kid, and the ocean and, and water in general has just always played a big part in my life. And so honestly, around this time last year, I would say maybe a little earlier in the fall of last year, so 2022, is when I was really starting to think about, you know, starting my own thing, taking on career coaching in a full-time capacity. And I was taking a walk, you know, on the beach and just trying to think of basically trying to do a brainstorm of what could this be? What could it look like? And I usually, when that happens, I take out my phone and I start typing in a blank note, just any ideas that come into my head, just so that I don't remember or don't forget them and I can come back to them later. And I think just something about the theme of your pivoting, coaching, looking at the water, that that just kind of popped into my head, honestly, the tide shift and um, I just wrote that down with a little wave emoji and it's, you know, it's still in my notes today. I just like come back to it every now and then to see, you know, how I thought, how far I've come between last year and, and this year. Um, but yeah, honestly, just kind of a, an organic walk on the beach, as cheesy as it sounds is, is kind of what led to the name. Um, but it's, it's become a really cool metaphor, I think, for people who are, you know, maybe battling up against some hard tides in their life who want to make a pivot, but they don't know how, and just kind of going with those shifts and kind of leaning into the fact that sometimes, um, you know, change is necessary and you just have to kind of embrace it. Thanks for the background in terms of the, the company name. Uh, again, I appreciate the time, Megan, and I wish you the best of luck in your career coaching business for 2024. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to meet you. And, and thanks again for reaching out. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, join my exclusive Dream Job Accelerator community on school. In this community, I conduct live weekly job search training sessions alongside offering regular insightful job search advice. My goal is to equip you with the most effective strategy to expedite your job search journey. Simply visit school.com and search for Dream Job Accelerator Community, or you can conveniently find the direct link in the show notes. Joining is straightforward and it could significantly transform your job search experience. Thank you once again for tuning in, and until next time.